What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another Raw Roundup. I'm your host, Ryan Satin, and what a past few days in wrestling it has been. I know that if you listen to this show, you more than likely know that I was at my sister's wedding over the weekend, and I was like refreshing my phone constantly up there in the mountains because so much was happening. I was even during the day, during uh, pre-wedding activities, uh, I had my phone on and I was watching parts of Clash of the Castle uh, while doing stuff for the wedding in secret uh, because so much was happening I didn't want to miss it. Uh, thankfully, I'm all caught up now. But like I said, man, what a week of weekend. Past few days it has been in the wrestling industry. Secondly, before we get to the Raw Roundup, before we break the show down segment by segment, and a lot happened, a lot we got to discuss but I got something important that I need to mention here at the top. If you're listening to the show and you're wondering, Ryan, it's Monday night or Tuesday morning. Where the hell is out of character? Where's your interview this week? I got a little bit of an update for you. Going forward, the superstar interviews that are on out of character are going to air on Wednesday in the feed now. Same goes for the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's when Out of Character is going to drop every week now. It just made no sense to have two podcasts on Monday. I'm asking you guys to listen to me every week throughout the week, and I I didn't want to bombard you on Mondays anymore. So now the new schedule is you're going to get this show. You're going to get the Raw Roundup Monday night every week. Then on Wednesday... Out of character with Ryan Satin and a WWE superstar interview that's almost 45 minutes in length. I try my best to make them all 45 minutes, but sometimes schedules do not allow it, but I do my best to get you there. Out of character, Wednesdays going forward. No longer on Wednesdays. Out of character with Ryan Satin is now on Wednesdays. Then Friday, you're going to get the SmackDown Roundup, just like the Raw Roundup. And on Sundays, the best of the week. For everyone who doesn't have a chance to consume all of that. I got you in mind too. Don't worry. I know there's a lot of content to consume. So I try my best to put all the best stuff in the best of the week. So if you're missing out, you can go check that out instead. Excuse me. That was a lot to get out right away. And there's so much more to get to. Because let's get into Monday Night Raw. Which began with Edge coming out. And clips being shown of Dominic turning on Rey Mysterio during Clash at the Castle over the weekend. This was one of those things uh, that I that I did that I I didn't see live, but I saw Twitter freaking out about it, and I immediately pulled up my phone and rewound because I literally had it playing just in my pocket the whole time, um, uh, or I was like looking at Twitter or whatever. I was going back and forth, and I saw everyone freaking out about that, so I went back and watched it. Loved the Dominic Mysterio turn. Um, I had talked about how it was a possibility, but I had almost talked myself out of it happening, but it did happen, and I really liked the follow-up on Raw this week. Uh, We had Edge talking about his history of being tight with Ray, how he calmed Dominic down before his first match, and didn't think young Dom would take an accidental spear so seriously. He then calls Dom out, but instead, the Rated R Superstar gets... Rey Mysterio making an entrance. Uh, Rey tells him that he's asking his son for an apology, and he asks Edge, just give him some time. But Edge says, 
look at man, I love you, Ray, but Dom is old enough to drive. He's old enough to drink, and he's old enough to stand for his actions. So Edge calls Dom out again, but no, we get Rhea Ripley, who says that Edge needs to calm down because a clash, they both got what was coming to them. They thought they could replace Dom like he didn't matter, but he's not Ray's little baby anymore. I saw the potential in him, and I made him into a man. Great line from Rhea Ripley. This prompts Dom to finally make his entrance. Comes out in all black with his hair slicked back to stand by her side. I tweeted this, but I was getting real... uh. Real, real similar vibes to China and Eddie Guerrero. Now, obviously, they're not playing it up for comedic purposes right now, but just the image of the two standing side by side fully gave me the same vibes uh, when I was just looking at it as a viewer. You got this strong, um, this just a strong force of a woman, and you got the Latino heat by her side. Uh, Ray tells his son to snap out of it. And that he still has time to make things right. Uh, Rhea and Dom ignore him, though. And they walk to the ring. Uh, This prompts Ray to get out of the ring. And he gets in his son's face, trying to stop him. But Dom won't even look at him. Then the crowd starts chanting, Eddie's son. And Ray walks to the back, sadly. Aw, poor Ray Mysterio. I uh, I loved this so far. Uh, the the not looking at Ray, the, the the crowd chanting Eddie's son, the dejected look that Ray Mysterio had on his face as he walks to the back. Sadly, perfectly playing up the fact that his son has turned on him. His evil son has now turned on him. He succumbed to succumbed. To the dark side, succumbed. I don't think that's the right terminology. Succumbed to the dark side. Uh, now, uh, once he's back there, Edge tells Dom to get in the ring. But Balor and Priest do it instead. They're hitting him. They're attacking him. Dom jumps in, chop blocks Edge. He goes down. Ray then rushes back to the ring to help out his friend. Uh, Dom comes back out. Him and Rhea, they get back out of the ring. They're, they're, you know, Ray's getting in their face, um, but Dom pushes his dad into Rhea, and she attacks him from behind. Judgment Day then continue their attack on Edge and smash his arm in a chair together. Man, I gotta say, I think this is great. You know, um, <clears throat> when it comes to Dominic turning, I was wondering if he was gonna join the Judgment Day or if him uh, doing that, you know, in a way that didn't help them win more so meant that he was just turning on Rey Mysterio, but we got uh, the firm, firm answer to that in this week's episode because Judgment Day is all over this, and I gotta say, man, like, I'm really liking what they're doing with the Judgment Day. I think it's working better with these three than it was working when Edge was at the helm of this faction. I think that the fact that there's no leader and they're all on the same page and they're just kind of running amok, um, clearly just trying to create havoc has been really entertaining and 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 furthermore like which we'll get to later they're they're getting you know match time with 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 good wrestlers still getting getting um featured as as one of the main players of the show and honestly like since triple h took over judgment day and damage control have been getting a lot of screen time to build these factions up as something to be taken seriously and i think that balor as a heel is working perfectly. Uh, he's 
clearly enjoying what he's doing with this group. Rhea Ripley is such a boss. She's talking crap to Edge. She's talking crap to Rey Mysterio. She's taking no crap from anyone. She's beating Rey Mysterio up still. Um, and she has taken his son from him. Now she calls him Poppy. Great, great all around. Uh, I, I just think that this is really helping the Judgment Day. You know, Edge said when he you know, when he came back, he really wanted to help the, the younger generation. And rather than forming a faction of, of them around him, it's fully working with them feuding with him instead. Um, this is a long-term story that, that, in my opinion, has been working in everyone's favor so far since Triple H took over. And um, I'm really enjoying it. After the break... Miz once again says he doesn't want to talk about Dexter Loomis, nor talk about what happened when he was seen in the back of his car last week. Miz says he's moving on with his life and is now focused on becoming the United States champion tonight in a steel cage match. But Ciampa points off camera, and you can see a flipped over car is smoking in the parking lot which seems to be connected to Dexter Loomis, but we really have no indication that it is fully connected to him. We don't know. We don't know. It could be a red herring because there's been really no connection other than the fact that this stuff started happening the night Dexter Loomis showed up. New Day versus Los Lotharios versus Alpha Academy versus Street Profits in a number one contenders match for the tag team titles took place after this, and I saw a lot of talk before this match on Twitter from people asking why Viking Raiders weren't in this match after beating New Day on SmackDown last week, which was a good question, but eventually made sense with the finish, which I'll get to in a minute. But first, the match itself, there were some really cool spots in this match. One in particular I liked was when Dawkins hit a pounce on Kofi so hard he flew over the top rope and onto a bunch of people ringside and then he ran the ropes and dove onto them as well it's just like man Dawkins just man I love it I love it so much because he was he was already killing it in Street Profits but the guy the guy is just on fire lately on fire and every match he's in he's on fire um he clearly had something lit underneath him and and it has been great to watch as a fan the guy the guy is just he's killing it Huge, huge fan of everything, everything Angelo Dawkins has been doing lately. Another cool spot in this match was when Humberto did a moonsault off the top rope, um, but he landed on his feet for it because the person he was going to do it on moved, and then Chad Gable caught him from behind for a German suplex. Uh, I really thought that one looked uh, impressive on camera. The finish, though. All right, let's get to this finish because the finish saw Gable lock the ankle lock on Montez Ford, but suddenly the rumors were true. Braun Strowman's music hit, and he makes his entrance. Braun Strowman back in WWE. Braun, who now has a nose ring, cleans house, and the match ends in no contest. Security hits the ring after, and Braun takes them all out too. He power bombs a security guard with a with with a vengeance. Then does uh, his signature train. Uh, run around the ringside area, thankfully, with no train sounds played anymore. And he clears off the announce table, then power slams Dawkins through a poor Dawkins. I was just hyping him up. And the man gets slammed through a table by a man who wasn't even in the match, by a man who many thought wasn't even in WWE <laughs> anymore. 
Uh, Braun continues his attack during the break in picture and picture. Uh, all right. Well, the rumors were true. Braun Strowman came back. And once again, I think this is a huge positive for WWE. Whether you uh, like him or not, I think that the man has become sort of a polarizing figure on the internet. But whether you like him or not, I think the man is a positive for WWE. He's only wrestled a handful of matches since he left. He is in a huge, imposing figure. Um, Braun Strowman is larger than life. He's the definition of larger than life. Just look at him. The man is a beast. Monster among men. Uh, And I just think that when you continue to rehire some of these people who a lot of fans were confused by their release in the first place. All you do is build goodwill with the fan base who was confused in the first place why their favorites weren't going to be on the show anymore. I mean, the list of people that Triple H has brought back since becoming uh, the head of creative is just, it's quickly just ramping up. And I, I, I just, I'm so happy with it. There are a lot of these people who I just never thought should have been let go or let let get away from the company in the first place. You got Dakota Kai, a massive talent who has proven in these past few weeks that she is one of the best female competitors in the world. You got Karrion Cross and Scarlett. You got Hit Row, Dexter Loomis, Johnny Gargano, and now Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman is a multi-time champion. Braun Strowman is money in WWE. Braun Strowman by all accounts, there was no reason for him to be gone in the first place. I think that people really did appreciate his work the first time around. And I think that if Triple H is looking to right some of the wrongs that fans have perceived over the last couple of years, uh, including releases, Braun Strowman is one of the people that you want back in the company fold. Braun Strowman is someone you want in the company. I mean, he's someone that people are impressed by. He's someone that has entertaining matches. He's someone that is good in in whatever role you put him in. And I think that ultimately Braun Strowman will show that he never should have been released in the first place. And I think that uh, bringing him back this way, I think that bringing him back this way was great. Yes, I realize that it messed up this number one contenders match for the number one for the for the yes I realize that it messed things up for the uh, you know the number one contendership to the undisputed tag team titles yes I realize that however I do believe that Braun Strowman was best when he was shown to be a dominant force when he's pulling down the set when he's causing destruction when he's beating the hell out of everybody and to bring him back and show that he is a dominant competitor still is the right way to position things, is the right way to launch him again. I think that showing that he beat, uh, you know, what was it, eight guys <laughs> at once and then a bunch of security guards, um, it just shows that he's had all of this pent-up anger about being released and he's ready to unleash it on the world. And I think that if anyone knows how to get him back to a place of prominence to where he once was. It will be Triple H. Uh, I have faith in that. So far, everything that he's been doing has been entertaining to me, and I think that he knew where Braun Strowman's strengths lie. Ultimately, you know, there's there's the booking philosophy of 
you know, accentuating the positives and hiding the negatives. And when you're looking at Braun Strowman you, you, and you're looking at what the positives were of Braun Strowman, the positives were destruction. The positives were when Braun Strowman was a dominant force. And to get him back there, this was a good way to start. After that, we had Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah versus Dewdrop and Nikki A.S.H. The finish saw Raquel retain for her team after hitting the Tahana Bomb on Dewdrop. Um, they're also just intentionally showing how Raquel is the dominant member of the team doing most of the work. And I can't tell if that's going to lead to a heel turn for Raquel uh, or a heel turn for Aaliyah. But I do think it's going to lead towards a heel turn for one of them. Uh, speaking of a, a, a turn for one of the teammates, we're going to get some Dewdrop and Nikki Ash in just a little bit. But before we do that, before we get to what I saw in the background of that, let's first get to a quick commercial break. All right. Before we get to the dude drop Nikki Ashton, I forgot. We got we got a few segments uh, before that. So first we've got uh, Ray. Ray is asked where things stand between him and Dominic right now. And Ray says he loves his son and needs to have a conversation with him in private. And that right now Judgment Day is poisoning his son's mind that he will never put hands on his son. Unless it's in WWE 2K. Yeah, I know it's a tired joke, but honestly... I laugh at that joke every time. I laugh at that tweet every time. I think it's my favorite tweet of all time. Where Rey Mysterio says he can't wait to beat his kids on the bus. It's the best tweet of all time. The best promotional tweet uh, to this. It's been promoting WWE 2K13 uh, for so long now. Almost 10 years. So um, Actually, it has been 10 years because when he put it out, it was in 2012. For 10 years, I've laughed at that tweet. Does that mean I'm easy to entertain? I don't know. <laughs> After that, Theory comes out uh, saying through gritted teeth that things didn't go as planned on Saturday. Then he accidentally calls the show Crown Jewel instead of Clash at the Castle and stumbles trying to get his composure as the crowd is booing him. Uh, Theory continues struggling to talk because of getting hit by Tyson Fury, but he still vows to be the next undisputed champion real quick. Before I get to KO interrupting, one thing I never chance to talk about on social media that I that I did see when I watched the show while I was at the wedding, pre-wedding stuff, was Tyson Fury punching Theory. That made me laugh so hard. That was done so well. It was so funny. Just Tyson Fury popping up like a jack-in-the-box, just bloop and punching Theory in the face. Oh, it was played so well on both sides. Theory just placing himself perfectly. Fury popping up at the right time. So much good in that. So funny. I I, I died. I, I laughed that so hard. I rewound it and watched it multiple times. Laughed every time. So Theory gets interrupted by Kevin Owens, who says he can call uh he can call him Austin now, uh, and says that Theory is at the top of the list of delusional people in WWE right now. Uh, KO says, even if Theory had cashed in successfully, he would have lost to Drew and Roman. Theory says uh, that Kevin's just jealous because he's done things KO could never do and that he can be the first in line once Theory becomes undisputed universal champion. KO reminds Theory that he's been in the ring with all of them and he knows Theory would have lost, especially since he would have beaten Roman if it hadn't been for Jey Uso and Heyman 
interfering in their match months ago. Big fan of KO not letting up on this. I'm really looking forward to when we finally get KO versus the head of the table again. Uh, Theory reminds Kevin Owens that he's the hand-picked future of WWE. And Owens says, you were the hand-picked future of WWE, but not anymore. He then does a fun thing where he's like, do you not know what's happening here? Obviously, we everyone else knows what's happening here. The ref's going to come out. We're going to start a match. The ref comes out. They start a match. And we get Kevin Owens versus Austin Theory. These two went hard in this one. And near the end of the match, Theory slams Owens' head into the steel steps. Brutal slam on the steel steps. And then Owens struggles to get back in the ring. But at the last minute, he makes it in. Owens eventually hits a suplex from the top rope on Theory, then rises to his feet, hits the pop-up powerbomb, and a stunner for the win. Here's my question to you, listener. To you listening to me in your car, uh, the gym, while you're eating by yourself, while you're escaping the world, here's my question to you, listener. Do you think Theory will ever cash in his Money in the Bank contract or do you think that he will somehow lose it before? Because they're setting up lots of possible people looking. I just think they all feel like they're looking to take it from him. We know that that's a possibility now. Um, and I just think that with this line that Owen said here about how you were the handpicked future of WWE, it keeps making me wonder if Triple H is going to use that tool to help someone else in the toy box? Or does he still let Theory do it? Because I don't think Theory's going to successfully cash in if he does. I still think we got a ways to go before he gets there. But there are other people who I could see it paying off for. Kevin Owens. Cody Rhodes when he comes back. Um, you know, I think Cody Rhodes might, you know, get, it, get a title shot anyways. But I just think there are people who I could see it benefiting more in the Triple H era than Theory. But I also feel like as much as Triple H is fixing things, he's not just outwardly like doing too many things that are changing what's happened in the past that are too abrasive. Like if someone's name got changed, like let, if someone's name got removed, their first name got removed like a Matt Riddle, or we saw tonight with Tommaso Ciampa. Um, just giving them their first name back, a little subtle thing, that seems to be happening. If it's someone whose name was completely changed altogether, like a Gunther, or or the other members of Imperium, seems like he's keeping it. So, where does Theory lie in that? Well, Theory, since that, you know, he wants to keep at least some level of um, consistency uh, with the with the previous regime, will he keep Theory as the Money in the Bank uh, winner and, or holder, I should say, and and continue to build him up for a while and make him feel like someone who could potentially cash in, or does he pass it off to someone who he thinks is more prepared for it? That's a question I'm wondering. I don't have the answer for it. You tweet me and you tell me what you think, listener. I want to know from you because I, I'm I'm debating this one in my head and don't have the answer. After that, Miz once again talks about not wanting to ask, answer questions about Dexter Loomis. Ciampa says Miz would have won last week had it not been for he who shall not be named. And Miz says the cage will make sure no one can mess things up for him this time. Like I said, Tommaso Ciampa here 
got his first name back, which I was a big fan of. Um, I just think the one name thing doesn't work for everybody. Not everybody can be Madonna. Not everybody can be Madonna. As much as we all would like to be Madonna. Myself included. <laughs> uh, damage control was shown walking in a backstage shot after that. But in the background, you can see Nikki A.S.H., arguing with Dewdrop. This is the thing I was talking about earlier. Nikki takes off her mask. She throws it at Dewdrop and walks off. Um, since Triple H has come back, he has shown a lot of stuff between them in the background of shots. In fact, the first uh, you know, smoky car shot that we saw was beside the two of them arguing. So like I said, it could be a red herring. It could be something that eventually leads to the Nikki Cross storyline. I don't know. Or Nikki ASH, ASH storyline. I don't know. I'm only an analyst. I'm not I'm not a mind reader and I'm not a scoopster anymore. But I am interested in wondering where that's going. It seems like they're trying to set something up subtly in the back for a change of character for Nikki ASH. I think a lot of people are speculating. A return of sorts to Nikki Cross in the way she was in NXT when she was a little um, when she was a little unhinged, let's say. <laughs> so, wouldn't mind seeing that whatsoever. I was a big fan of that character. Damage Control make their entrance after the break, and the three women talk about their win at Clash, saying they'll be taking control, and then EO says they'll be coming for the tag titles next. This uh, sets up Dakota to explain that she wasn't the legal woman last week, like I mentioned here on the podcast, and that the plan to take what is rightfully theirs will soon uh, be finished. Bailey brags about beating Bianca Belair as well, and then uh, she mentioned that Bianca hadn't been pinned basically the whole time that she was out of action. This leads uh, to an interruption from the EST of WWE, who says Bailey may have gotten the better of her at Clash, but she wants... To run it back tonight in a one-on-one match. Bailey has a great line here. She says, uh, no, because it's Labor Day and I don't work on Labor Day. Which was such a good line. Uh, just all she does is celebrate the fact that she beat Bianca. Uh, Bianca says, well, it actually took three of you to take me down. Not just Bailey, but if that's what it takes for you to feel in control, that's fine. Uh, you might have your minions, but I got this. And holds up the women's title while Bailey looks pissed. Bianca, also, Bianca says, without this, you're nothing. And I think that even though Bailey kept her cool here, the Bailey character seems to actually feel that way. And you can see it in her face a little bit when Bianca says this. Uh, Damage Control leave the ring, though, and Bailey says, it's not all about you. Right now, they have more important things to focus on, like her girls winning the tag team titles next week. But. If and when she wants that title, she's going to get it one way or another. We find out uh, later in the show that it's official next week. Rematch. We're getting Damage Controls, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky on Raw in a match against the Women's Tag Team Champions for the titles, Raquel and Aaliyah. Um, a lot of people still speculating about Sasha Banks and Naomi possibly coming back after. We'll have to wait and see. Johnny Gargano interviewed after the break, says he's very excited to remind everyone of what he can do in the ring, but Theory interrupts saying he might as well be Johnny talking because that's all he's been doing since coming back. Gargano says before he was so rudely interrupted, he was just going to announce that next week for the first time in nine months, he'll be returning to the ring. Looking forward to that. Didn't say who his opponent 
will be. But uh, either way, yeah, I'm really pumped to see Johnny Gargano coming back into the ring. Um, it's been a couple weeks since he is doing the return. Uh, and yeah, man, like I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing who he is in the match against. I think that um, this this uh, the- this theory feud has been going well so far. And I don't think you, need, you needed to rush him back into the ring or anything so soon. But I think that, you know, a couple weeks is a perfect time. And I'm interested to see what happens. Damian Priest versus Rey Mysterio. These two wrestled a competitive match with Judgment Day ringside. Rey could be seen looking at Dom, hoping for some sort of answer from his mijo. But Dominic continued to deadpan him the whole time. Rey hit a top rope Hurricane Rana for a nice near fall at one point. Then Priest reversed a 619 with a spinning heel kick. Rey sets up Priest again for a 619 a little bit later. But Dominic steps in the way this time allowing Priest to hit a clothesline and the South of Heaven for the win. After the match, the group stand over Ray, and Rhea says next week, Dominic will put Edge back into retirement. Uh, what Poppy wants, Poppy gets, she says. And then it's later confirmed that Edge versus Dom is taking place next week. I'm guessing that is not going to end clean. I'm guessing we're going to get some interferences. Uh, I'm guessing... It's not going to be the end of things between Edge versus Dom. However, it will be the first time that Dom is wrestling where he doesn't have to be Rey Mysterio's son. He doesn't have to do the 619. He can do whatever he wants in the ring. And I'm interested to see what that looks like. I do think one of the things that has kind of hindered him has been the fact that he has to be you know, this mini Rey Mysterio when he's double the size of him. <laughs> and so I'm interested, to, I'm interested to see how his offense changes when he doesn't have to be the son of Rey Mysterio in the ring. Bobby Lashley talks about his match against The Miz after that. And then following that, uh, when we return from the break, Braun Strowman was shown backstage saying he's back in WWE and will say more on SmackDown um, I do think that he would be much more of a help to SmackDown right now. I agree with that. I, do, I think this is going to be meant to, to, you know, show that he's a free agent until he gets you know, officially put on a brand. But I do think, I do think that that SmackDown would be the best place for him right now. I think that's you know that's where he, that I don't I don't know if that was the last brand he was on. I'm trying to remember the last brand he was on. I think the last brand he was on was Raw. But but regardless, I think that you know now that we're you know done with this Drew thing, I, or at least it seems that way. Um, and even if we're setting up future opponents, as we're setting up future opponents for Roman Reigns, I think Braun Strowman is going to be one of them, and having him on SmackDown will help that show. It's possible he's going to come back to Raw, but he did tease he did tease an appearance on SmackDown this week. Another interview was shown after that from Clash of the Cat from after Clash of the Castle, in which Matt Riddle said he wants a rematch against Seth Rollins, and then Seth Rollins responded saying he went to Cardiff and did what he came to do there. So while he admires Riddle's determination, a rematch is not in the cards. He's moving on to bigger and better things. What could that be? What bigger and better things could he be moving on to? Do I think he will be moving on to bigger and better things? No. I think that we're going to keep this going for a little bit. I do. Even though he said that, just the way that it, they still showed Riddle with him, I think, I think there's going to be a little more of a wrinkle to this. 
because I don't know who Roman is immediately facing, but I don't think it's going to be Seth yet. That's got to be at a big event. And I think also Cody's going to be the one to eventually dethrone Roman Reigns now that Drew McIntyre didn't do it. Seth Rollins doesn't need it as much as Cody does. Cody needs to be the one now. Cody needs to be the one that dethrones Roman Reigns. Lastly, we got Lash Lee in a steel cage match uh, for the U.S. title against The Miz. This was the main event of the show. Uh, the match starts with Liz. Liz. The match starts with Miz attacking Lashley from behind with the United States title before the match even began. He and Shamba then drag Lashley out of the ring. They brutalize him, eventually hitting him with steel steps and knocking him out as the show went to break. During the break, Miz and Ciampa continued to team up on Lashley in picture in picture. And as the show returned, they had just brought him back into the ring. Lashley fights back, dominates Miz for a while, but Ciampa stops him from climbing out of the cage by hitting his feet with the chair. Nice move. In the final moments of the match, Miz reversed a spear by throwing Bobby into the cage, then hit a skull-crushing finale that Lashley kicked out of. Miz crawled to the door. Lashley grabbed him by the legs to pull him back inside. Then Lashley walks towards the door. Ciampa tries to hit him with the door. Lashley reverses it back into Ciampa, but Miz walks up behind and slams the door on Bobby's head so many times, vicious, viciously. While Lashley was down, Miz climbs the cage, but when he gets to, when he gets to the top and starts to climb down, Dexter Loomis was shown laying under the ring with a really cool-looking camera that panned down horror movie style when he appeared. So this made Miz crawl back into the ring to avoid him allowing Lashley to hit the spear and win. Um, match was good. I enjoyed it. Plenty of time for them to both get their stuff in. Loomis then gazes at Miz from the outside as Lashley celebrates. Then Loomis climbs over the top of the cage to get in the ring. Miz watches on in fear. He tries to get out of the cage, but Lashley closed it on him, allowing Loomis to lock in his submission finisher the show ends with Miz knocked out and Loomis rubbing his head. All right. Okay. Sorry. I had to get all that out first. A lot happened in that finish. Um, I, I'm, I'm really liking this uh, this Miz stuff. Or the Miz and, Miz and Loomis stuff. Um, a friend of mine, I had asked him. He, he was kind of a fan who had stopped watching. And I said to him, like, what would it take you to come back now that Triple H is head of creative? Like, when are you going to give it another chance? And he's been he's been slowly watching again. And today, after the after Raw, he tweeted me saying that uh, stuff like this Loomis storyline is the kind of thing that's going to suck him back into watching full time again. So I think they're succeeding. You know, if, if if someone who was who had kind of tuned out is now tuning back in because of these things, I think ultimately it's a success, and that's exactly what you want as head of creative. You want to be satisfying the audience. You know, a lot of times I see, you know, oh, should people be satisfying the hardcore audience or should people be satisfying the masses? And personally, I think there's a way to do it, to do both. I think there is a way to do both. You can you can satisfy the masses while also sucking in the hardcore viewer by just giving them entertaining stories that log that are logical and that are f entertaining to watch. Like you just want to you you want to watch. The things that 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 you enjoy, and you're gonna watch. If you, and if you're not enjoying something, you're gonna stop watching it as much. So logical storylines, um, 
making sure every single part of the show is meaningful. Um, I, I think that even these these uh, roundups that I'm doing, they've become longer because there's so much more to analyze because so much more is happening throughout the night. And that's a huge positive. I, I end the night going, man, I'm so excited to talk about this show. There's so much to dig into here. Um, and, I, and, I, and so I, I, uh, I think it's a positive all around, you know, the stuff like the Dexter Loomis stuff, you know, bringing back Braun Strowman, bringing back people that you didn't want to see gone. All of it is making people into fans again. I'm seeing so much less nitpicking online and so much more increase in just positive fandom. And that makes me so happy because it was so exhausting seeing constant nitpicking from everybody and i'm saying this on a show where i nitpick but that's what you all want me to do some people i don't want to see constant nitpicking from (laughs) all right let's end this uh before i go don't forget subscribe to the wwe on fox youtube channel that's where you can find out of character on video every wednesday yes i said wednesday like i told you all at the top new schedule out of character with Ryan Satin, where I interview a WWE superstar for nearly 45 minutes uh, every week, talking to them about behind-the-scenes stuff, who they are as people, uh, and so much more. You can find that on Wednesdays now, every Wednesday on the WWE on Fox YouTube channel, premiering at 9 a.m. Pacific time. You can also find the podcast version here in this podcast feed every Wednesday, every Wednesday, 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 Wednesday. That's where you can find out of character. And then you got the Raw and SmackDown recaps, uh, roundups, excuse me, on uh, Monday night and Friday night. So that's the new schedule. And then best of on Sunday, in case you couldn't listen to the full episodes on Monday, Friday, and Wednesday. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. That was a confusing way I worded that. But in case you can't listen to all the content, Best of on Sunday. Also, if you're in here in this old podcast feed and you're still listening to me, bless your heart. Bless you. I appreciate it. But please leave a rating or a review while you're here. It helps the show out a lot. Helps me uh, feel fulfilled from talking to myself for 40 minutes in my office. (laughs) Also, make sure you follow the WWE on Fox social media pages. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, baby. We're on TikTok, on WWE on Fox there. So go follow WWE on Fox on TikTok. We're making fun videos there, clips, lots of stuff happening there. So all you TikTokers, don't leave WWE on Fox out of your front page. All right, I'm done here. I'll be back on Wednesday. Wednesday. Can't stress that enough. Back on Wednesday with an interview with Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch.